Hi, friends. When I stood before you one year ago, I preached from Mark 1, when Jesus enters the center stage of history and says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, if you were here or tuned in, you may remember I had a camera on a tripod and, and on the digital service, I had it right here on the table. And I was to illustrate that Mark's gospel gives us snapshots of Jesus' life and ministry. And at one point, I turned the camera on myself and I even turned it on you. It was January 1st. And we were standing on the edge of a new year. None of us knew what 2023 would bring, but we looked forward with anticipation. Some resolutions were probably made and then deserted before the end of the month. But some really special things occurred. We experimented with winter warmers and then summer coolers. A team from Epic went to serve with our mission partner, Potter's House, in Guatemala. About 50 of us had the awesome privilege of traveling to Israel and literally walked where Jesus and his followers walked so long ago. 20 people renewed their baptisms in the Jordan River, and six couples renewed their marriage vows in a chapel in Magdala. Pastor Brian announced his final year as our senior pastor, and a search team was formed to begin the discernment process of calling the next leader to Grace Chapel. We held four best weeks of the year, Kids Week in Lexington, Wilmington, Watertown, and Foxborough, during which our children raised over $8,000 for world relief in Malawi. 75 families with over 225 people from multiple campuses vacationed together as one Grace Chapel family at Camp of the Woods in upstate New York. Our Foxborough campus bid farewell to Tom Boyclair, its founding campus pastor, and welcomed David Morielli, the third alumnus of our pastoral residency program, to lead them into the future. We celebrated 45 baptisms or renewals and welcomed 83 new members in 2023. And only recently, we had a marvelous celebration of 75 years since the humble beginnings of Grace Chapel in a home-based Bible study with five dedicated couples. Now, those are only a few of the highlights of 2023. But what does the Lord have in store for us in 2024? Probably one of the most pressing on our hearts and minds are the number of lasts with Brian and then firsts with our next senior pastor. And for Brian's last winter sermon series, he and the teaching team have decided to draw from the Gospel of Mark, beginning with chapter run, right where we were last year at this time. Now, some of you know I enjoy teasing Pastor Brian, whether it be about liking that baseball team from the Bronx or him giving me a really difficult text in Revelation to preach last spring. Full transparency, being snarky is my love language. So I was tempted for a moment to give him grief that I just preached Mark 1 exactly one year ago and go find some new material. But then I thought about Mark 1.1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And one of the things I love and respect most about Pastor Brian is his heart and passion for the scriptures, and most specifically, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I realized while it would be completely understandable if he built off the phrase, the time has come, as I did, and used it to springboard into the new year, especially his last five to six months of preaching here at Grace, that was probably not why he chose Mark 1. 
Keeping in mind our preaching theme for this program year has been new beginnings. The focus of the new year is going to be on the beginnings of the kingdom of Jesus' public ministry, not the shifting of Brian's ministry. With Brian, preaching is never about him, and it's always about Jesus. We started in the fall back at the very beginning, Genesis, the beginnings of everything, humankind, the fall, the mission, relationships, and faith. We explored the new beginnings that came when the seeds of grace were planted. And now we're in between the Advent Christmas season and the start of the new year in the next series. Next week, we'll turn the camera back into Mark's gospel to explore the beginnings of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. But today, we are in between. In between the year that's about to draw to a close and the new year that dawns in a little over 12 hours. In between times can be unsettling or disruptive. We can lose our footing or even see it maybe as a bridge, a time period that connects one season to the next. In a way, it's a time of waiting and a time of preparation. The people of Israel often found themselves in an in-between time. The Lord had allowed Babylon to conquer Israel and take many people away into exile as punishment for their sins as a nation. At the time of Isaiah the prophet, they had just been released from their captivity and were finally being allowed to return to their homeland to begin the work of rebuilding. Isaiah wrote words of encouragement, comfort, and instruction to a people who were starting over. And by the miracle that is the scripture, they are also God's words to anyone waiting in an in-between time, like the moment between the end of one year and the beginning of another. So listen to these words from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. I want you to notice the frequent use of parallel statements. It's a common writing technique of Hebrew writers to indicate emphasis on important ideas. Isaiah writes, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations." The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. What a great way to start a sermon. But do, do those words sound a little familiar? In Luke chapter 4, Jesus turns to these very words in the synagogue at the outset of his public ministry. Luke tells us that Jesus returned to his hometown after his baptism and the 40 days of temptation and trial in the wilderness. He went to synagogue on the Sabbath. He was called upon to read the scriptures. So he stood up and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and began to speak. 
The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke continues, Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Did you notice something about the text I read from Isaiah and the portion Jesus read? Jesus didn't read the whole passage. At least, that's all Luke records. Remember what I said about the parallel statements. Jesus ended with the first part of verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He did not read the parallel to that line, which was the day of vengeance for our God. I wonder... If Jesus stopped where he did on purpose, to illustrate that sense that it's an in-between time, or what Christian scholars call the already but not yet. Isaiah spoke these words to the people of Israel hundreds of years earlier. It was his call to bring good news to the Hebrews that their years of imprisonment and exile were over. Isaiah was telling the people that they were in the already but not yet. They were freed from bondage, but not yet back home. It was the in-between time, with the time of exile behind them and a time of rebuilding in front of them. About midway through the last century, after World War II, Christian scholars began to draw a parallel between this concept of the already but not yet with two significant dates related to the war, D-Day and V-E Day. In many respects, historians pointed to D-Day as the end of the war, or at least the day when victory was secured and the defeat of Hitler was seemingly inevitable. But the realities of war continued until VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, when Germany's surrender was complete. The Allies had already won the war with D-Day, but it was not yet time to celebrate until the conflict was over. So too, Jesus has already secured the victory over sin and death by his sacrifice on the cross, followed by his resurrection. But it is not yet time to let our guard down, because the evil one is still trying to thwart the efforts of Jesus and his church to keep peace, love, joy, and hope alive in the world. We live in the already and not yet of the kingdom of God, something Jesus was announcing as he concluded his reading with today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus spoke these words to announce his anointing and his mission as the one sent by God to bring hope and freedom to men and women caught in a prison of darkness. The time of imprisonment and sin and exile from God were over. Jesus was telling the people it was time to return to God and rebuild their lives. Jesus speaks to us today through these words. We too get caught in all kinds of prisons that can leave us feeling exiled from God and from relationships in our families, our church, our work, or community trying to live up to unrealistic expectations placed upon us in our homes, schools, or jobs, 
Expectations which we place upon ourselves because we cannot let go of past failures or disappointments. The old tapes that play in our heads that remind us we need to do more, be better, succeed at all costs. The prison of addictions which impact all aspects of our lives and the lives of those we love. The trap we get caught in with strained relationships which we are unable or refuse to confront and resolve. And ultimately, the consequences of sin. It all blocks us from being free to love and be loved by God. But when we open our eyes and ears to the message that the kingdom of God is already here in the person of Jesus Christ and embodied by his church, and that the Holy Spirit is available to do the work of transforming and renewing our lives, then, even though we are not yet perfect and complete, we can, out of the love and healing we've experienced, become the hands and feet of Christ, loving others as ourselves and proclaiming good news to the poor, the prisoner, and the brokenhearted. One of the most transformational ministries we offer here at Grace Chapel is Celebrate Recovery. It is in this space every Monday night and in small groups throughout the week that men and women are able to experience freedom from habits or hurts, from anxieties or pain, from old patterns or messages that cause us to feel helpless or worse, hopeless. I have some friends here with me today who are going to share their testimonies to the transformational work God has done in their lives. These friends are experiencing the already but not yet, the victory that Jesus has helped them have over the pain or struggles of their past, and the hope of full and complete healing in the not yet realized kingdom of God to come. And so have I. I decided to write out my own cardboard testimony to share with you. When we recognize the victory that has already been won, we are able to navigate life in the not yet of a future hope. And there is reason for hope. The words of Isaiah describe this hope. 
The prophecy indicates that things will not go on as they are forever. Isaiah was proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. However, Jesus did not go on to complete this thought in his reading of the text. Jesus was anticipating the change, but he too was in the in-between time. This intervening period or season of waiting can be a time of great opportunity. And the time ahead for us, as for the Israelites, can be a time of blessing. So let's read verses 8 through 11, listening for the promises God is making to his people. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Speaking through the prophet, God says, I will reward my people. I will make an everlasting covenant. Their descendants will be known among the nations. Those who see them will acknowledge that they are blessed of the Lord. And lastly, the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. How we wish that could be true today. But we are in the in-between time, between the already and not yet. We wait with anticipation, which is why we take the time to celebrate Advent every year. If we just jumped to Christmas and the old familiar carols as soon as Thanksgiving was over, we would miss the profound power of waiting. We need to take intentional time to remind ourselves that Christmas is about so much more than shopping and decorations, pageants and concerts. It's also why we have a season of Lent, to set aside moments in our days to reflect on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and the cross. It is why we encourage you not to leap from Palm Sunday to Easter without experiencing the poignancy of Holy Week and the darkness and despair of Good Friday. It is the waiting in the in-between time that makes the resolution all the sweeter. I was listening to a friend at a training event a few years ago, and he was reflecting on his childhood memories of Christmas. He shared his times of waiting for Christmas were spent color-coding the Sears catalog, <laughs> or wish book, as it came to be called. Then every year, Christmas morning would come and he and his brothers would be waiting anxiously at the top of the stairs for the word to come down from their parents. Can't you just hear them calling up the stairs? Wait, just wait, wait. And every year they would run down the stairs and tear open their packages, thrilled by what they received. And every year, no matter how many presents they received, they would leave the tree with an empty feeling from the disappointment at what was not under the tree, because they believed the lie that their lives would be complete if they got everything they wanted on their Christmas lists. Yet he also remembered the ways his parents welcomed their presence with warmth and contentment, 
They would always say to the boys, oh, we don't need anything. Whatever you want to give us will be fine. My friend realized, thinking back years later, that his parents were telling the truth. They did not need anything. They were filled with something far greater than any present. They were never disappointed because their relationship with Jesus Christ filled the deepest needs in their souls. In his words, they had embraced the gift of the baby whose day we were celebrating. And so any present the boys gave them was essentially frosting on the Christmas cookie. His parents didn't need anything because they already had everything. So we returned to the prophet to hear the words proclaimed again and again, to pull us away from the lives, the lies that would disappoint us. This proclamation is one of comfort, provision, the exchange of a crown of beauty and oil of gladness for the clothing and ashes of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the faint, dim, dull spirit in which we find ourselves. Brothers and sisters, we can be freed from the prisons of our lives. My CR friends have taught me so much about courage and transparency, about facing the past and moving forward into the future God has for us. Our eyes can be opened so we can maneuver our way out of the darkness of sin, which holds us captive, and into the light of Christ and His love. This is good news, and our joy should be overflowing in ways that spill out into the streets. So why isn't it? Why is it that the hope, joy, and love we experience here seem to be one of the best-kept secrets in Metro Boston? Is it because we are staunch, independent, crusty New Englanders in the frozen Northeast? Well, maybe. But I think it's also because we've forgotten what it's like to be a child on Christmas morning. We are worn down by the things of life that scream and clatter for our time and attention. We are worn down believing the lie that life is all about self-reliance and what we do to earn God's grace. When it's really all about relying on Jesus and what he did on our behalf that makes his grace even possible. We are worn down with the responsibilities of adulting and have lost the wonder and joy and excitement that comes when we realize that as followers of Christ, we are between the already and not yet. Jesus has secured our victory. No matter what else comes, while we wait for the not yet, Jesus has already won. So let's take a few moments as we bid farewell to 2023 and prepare to welcome in 2024 to slow down and listen for God's voice. What might you write on your cardboard testimony about which you have reason to celebrate or where would you like to experience the transforming work of God in your life? Maybe even take a piece of paper or cardboard and write it out and then share it with someone you trust. Or if you dare, post it on social media or your campus Facebook page. It can serve both as an encouragement for others and a point of accountability for you. And as you stand in line at the returns counter or in the grocery store picking up snacks for tonight, listen to the words of the carols being piped into the stores. 
hear them with new ears. Embarrass your friends or children or parents by humming or singing along. Remember, Isaiah said the faint spirit within us has been replaced with a vigorous bursting forth of joyful praise. Buddy the Elf said it best. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Praising God is the best way to overcome that which has held us captive. It is why CR is called Celebrate Recovery. Last year, I ended the sermon with the short poem by a former dean of the chapel at Boston University, Howard Thurman, called The Work of Christmas Begins. This was our Christmas Eve benediction for every Christmas Eve service at the church we served in Texas. And so I want to share it with you again this year, as it speaks to what we are called to do as people of the already but not yet. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God has anointed me to bring good news. If you are also a follower of Jesus, then God has anointed you to bring good news. Can you feel the excitement is building? It is the Spirit of God at work within you and within me and within His church. It just might be the beginnings of revival. So let's eagerly welcome 2024. And may Jesus and Jesus alone get the glory because it is all about Him. Amen.